lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. They're here with me as well. Our old friend Shannon Joy from New York State is here with us too, because it is a Friday. We'll get to the Dace group here in a moment. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. That's how you can let us know what you think about what we think, as well as via the stevedace.com inbox. Email us there. Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample yourself or then share with others, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. That's YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. It is a Friday. So next hour, we're going to have Feedback Friday. And I, I we may spend the whole hour on one note. You guys remember I had gotten a note from a listener named Drexel King. I mentioned oh, yeah. that it asked me before the rioting broke out in mass around the country, it had asked why we haven't been more aggressive in discussing some of the, uh, some of the more racially provocative issues of the last couple of years. And I, I just explained, I, I don't trust I'm getting the truth on virtually at, on virtually anything. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, and, and, and therefore, you know, I was always taught as a kid when approaching a down power line, walk away. Like, don't, don't, don't be in a rush to go and grab a down power line. And then I asked him, I said, hey, are there, are there specific issues you'd like us to address? Because throughout my career, really, until the last couple of years, when this has just become impossible to have a, an honest conversation about, uh, throughout my career, I've, I've probably discussed racial issues and in a diverse way with diverse groups of people more so than the vast majority of people in conservative media probably have. Um, so I said, I'm, I'm fine having any of these conversations. If, if, if we're really having a conversation, if, 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 if I'm not Drew Brees, right? So, you know, it, it, a conversation means yeah, we're being told to listen. Well, that means you're going to listen to contrarian views too, right? You're going to listen to alternative takes too, or I just listen to you and then I do what you say. Um, there's a whole lot of people upset at Laura Ingram right now in the sports world because she reiterated her shut up and dribble take on LeBron James last night, I guess, on Fox. I don't know. I just saw it trending and I saw a bunch of uh, people upset about it and athletes upset about it. Oh, well, you know, you want Drew Brees to talk about kneeling for the anthem, but you don't want me to, you know, give you my take from the left. Well, that's, I mean, I can understand why you'd have that valid criticism. Have you looked in a mirror though? Because I, 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 we had one adult in this whole conversation yesterday. Tony Dungy was literally, he might be like one of the last three adults left in America, certainly in sports media. He's, have, he's one of, he might be the last adult left in all of sports media. Have right? we yet confirmed if his black life matters at this point? I, 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 has he been canceled? Right. And, um, and his whole point was, I didn't, I don't agree. I didn't even agree with Drew, but I think he's smart, thoughtful. I want to hear what he has to say. I don't think he should be belittled and beaten down into not being able to have his own opinion. I, I thought we wanted to have a conversation. We don't? I guess we don't want... No, Tony. No, we don't. Because the same people that are all pissed off at Laura Ingram for reiterating her shut up and dribble stance, 24 hours ago, were literally in full onboard jihad against Drew Brees for daring to have a contrarian take. 
right? But but if we're going to have a real conversation, I'm fine having it. Drexel has sent some issues. I think we should try to address as it's a long note. I don't know that we'll get through them all, but we're going to try to address as much of this awesome. as we can next hour. Okay. But before we get to all of that, of course, it is time for the day group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with bleep, Democrats say. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets. Persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Why are you The president held up the Bible. Governor, what he just did was hold up a Bible, making it clear uh, that that's what he stands for. He's the, I, I mean, I don't know, what words would you put on it? He's, God is behind him. He's the president of law and order and of godliness. What, what, what do you make of that very bizarre moment? Here in New York, we actually read the Bible. Open your eyes, America. Open your eyes. We are teetering on a dictatorship. And I was thinking of the book of Ecclesiastes, and in it they talk about there's an appointed time for everything, Ecclesiastes says, in 31 to 8. The time for every event under heaven. I see Drew Brees trying to do his part in keeping black folk down. Drew Brees, if you don't understand how hurtful how insensitive your comments are, you are part of the problem. It's particularly disappointing from Drew because of the sport he plays and the city in which he plays it. Drew Brees plays a majority black sport in a majority black city. He perform in Germany, I never see a Nazi flag. I don't see streets named for Nazis because Nazis are a part of history that Germany understands is a cancer and corrupt and they've ridded themselves of. May 11 business owners were called um, cowards for wanting to reopen their businesses and today the governor is actually marching mm -hmm. um, in that. Is that not in violation of your order and his order for large gatherings? Well, so we have, uh, and the governor has always said that people have the right to uh, to protest and to demonstrate and, and the right of free speech. And so overall we want um, large gatherings such as as, um, uh, such as um, maybe a, a party or um, or some type of concert or something uh, to be under 250 people. Um, but um, we are not restricting people's right to protest. When you see a nation, an entire nation simultaneously grappling with an extraordinary crisis seated in 400 years of American racism? I'm sorry, that is not the same question as the, the devout religious person who wants to go back to services. Why are you out here? Uh, man, period, point blank, just like all my real ones trying to do, trying to get some monies. Explanation, that's it. I'm trying to get some dough, that's it. Just out here for the money? Yeah, pretty much. At least one honest man left in America. 
All right, let's get to the first question. And Shannon Joy, New York talk show host, we'll start with you. Your favorite ride on the crazy train this week was what? I can't, I don't even know where to start. It's, I mean, there is so much absurdity, absurdity in the country today from, from every angle, from protesters on the streets to Democrats waving Bibles around to Democrats going back and forth as to whether or not we can gather whether or not COVID equals death if we get together at our churches, but we can we can rally thousands of people in the streets, Democrats who are lamenting that we might uh, entice Donald Trump into a military police state, yet they refuse to secure their own cities. It's, it's utter absurdity. I don't even have a favorite. I think I'm just over all of it. It's, it's dumb. Everything is dumb. It's just dumb. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You said it already. Everything is dumb. Todd. Trump, inadvertently, on purpose, whatever, getting Democrats to go, thus saith the Psalms, and opening their Bible on camera. Oh, just theocracy! Theocracy! I, I, I mean, the, I don't think Trump went far enough. He didn't. He I'm fine with everything going into the park. The Secret Service has a job to do. Despite the president said, hey, let's go throw some smoke to grenades. He said, I'm going across the street, and I'm the president, and this is important. And the Secret Service says, this is what we're going to do. He did, but he went there, and it, he just should have pulled, opened the Bible and say, um, we're going to Romans 1. And then, you know, we'll see where the mood takes me. I mean, that he should have gone. But still, the fact that the Democrats now are going to the hold them to that. Make every time they want to start talking. But remember that Bible you pulled out? Let's talk about that. Again, it's almost certainly inadvertent, but that's absolutely my favorite. Aaron? Uh, Corporal Klinger of the Pennsylvania Health Department, czar, what have you. Or, uh, the what, wannabe, what's his nuts? The wannabe, yeah, the wannabe <laughs> Corporal Klinger, except he actually has, this Pennsylvania <laughs> Health Czar actually has uh, mental illness, isn't just faking it to get out of the, to get out of the uh, MASH unit in, in, in Korea. Uh, so that's, that's fun. The juxtaposition of the hemming and hawing about, well, we can't have concerts of more than 250 people. Cut to the uh, Cupid Shuffle or as I like to call it, the social dis-dance of, of, of protesters. I don't know what city that was in. But yes, this is definitely marching for or against uh, racial injustice as we dance in the streets without social distancing. But they were, they were mer- wearing masks. So that's, that's cool. The, the, the whole juxtaposition of everything in that montage. I mean, there were reporters this morning in the White House press pool who have been cheering on these protests, protests, riots, (laughs) these riots for the last week and a half, two weeks, who were lamenting that the White House is no longer putting chairs six feet apart. They're not social distancing. The only thing that was missing this morning were journalist lives matters. I I just, I'm with, I'm with Shannon. It's, it's 50 kinds of dumb Mm-hmm. And, and, and the demoralizing part is that we see so many people just going along with it, who, 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 who a week ago, who a week ago, maybe even sitting in your church pews, if you could go to church, would have said, you know, we, we just, you know, we can go to church maybe, uh, but uh, boy, we just can't, we can't go in large crowds. Or three weeks ago when you were not meeting, you saw them posting on Facebook, it just saves one life. 
now saying now changing their profile picture to to be a black a blackout it's just it's it's demoralizing the dumb is demoralizing it's it really is here here's where it's put me i really miss all the pride month pandering that's where I'm at right now. I, I miss that Diet Coke commercial before every movie that the last two summers I would just involuntarily blurt out. What if you suck? You know what, what I'm talking about? Yes. You do you with all the rainbow. Co- yes. What if you suck? Right. I, 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 I could use some more Megan Rapinoe in my life right now. It's where I'm at. Here, that it's where I am at because this is, this is the dumb I hate. I hate dumb. Like an unbiblical level. I hate it. And... But she's it, it, telling the Minneapolis, no, not Minneapolis. She's telling the people of Seattle that they shouldn't have a police force yes. anymore. So you're going to get what you wish for. Yeah, I just, when it gets dumb is when I start, I have to really struggle not to hate people. Is is because the dumb I find so utterly insulting. For example, these urban areas are densely populated. It's where the virus, when it was serious, it hasn't been in this country except for nursing homes since about the middle of April. But when it was serious, they were the most impacted areas. So if if rooters and li- if, if 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 rioters and looters can defy the lockdown orders in these densely populated cities, then why are any of you obeying any lockdown orders? I don't know why any of you in any states that still are trying to enforce them or any communities, why are you obeying that? Because John Roberts said so. Yeah, I mean, why would you obey that, number one? And number two, how many thousands of people went to George Floyd's memorial yesterday? Mm-hmm. If that can take place, why can't you go to church? Why can't everyone go to church then? Okay, these are the questions all of you should be asking. These are the points the White House should be making. If you had a real Republican Party, these are the points that they would be making. I mean, we had a jobs report today. We we have about it. I know I know every state claims they're doing some phase of reopening. There's really only a dozen that are really serious about it. And then within that dozen, there's about another half dozen that are kind of ahead of the pack. Even with that very tepid reopening in May, the economy added two and a half million jobs last month, and the unemployment rate actually fell. Fell. People are eager to get back to work. Give the give America back to the American people and all of this madness. Now we actually had the highest or the, the biggest jump in the unemployment rate in one month since 1939. What would it be next month if we ended all of this madness once and for all? Get out of your homes, defy them all, open your businesses, stop obeying any of this and and your only mistake was that you didn't do it 30 days ago everywhere in america exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being as likely as lindsey graham keeps any of his promises to sean hannity to get to the bottom of the deep state and 10 being the likelihood he'll keep getting invited on fox news to lie about getting to the bottom of the deep state rate this week's level of total depravity todd 10 shannon Mm -hmm. See, I think I'm now anesthetized to dumb. So I'm back down to a five. Okay. I'm like, oh. this, this is the new normal. Yeah, the, the dumb brings me at a 25. Or right. or should I say a 44, if you know what I'm saying, Jay. Aaron, what's your number? I was going with a 20. Okay. Let's get to issue two. From lockdown to anarchy. 
Just as America was starting to open back up... You can kick their balls, but you can't touch them. Anarchy filled the streets with riots and looting breaking out all over the country amidst the protests of the death of George Floyd of Minneapolis. This is going to be... A, it went from... Uh, looked like a completely intact store to a complete loss in just a, a, a number of minutes you can count on your fingers. Hey, That still hasn't stopped some places from insisting on draconian lockdown measures like in New York City after Mayor Bill de Blasio said earlier this week he was proud of his daughter for getting arrested amid riots. He sicked the New York Police Department on a Hasidic community in Brooklyn, and then he said this. When you see a nation, an entire nation, simultaneously grappling with an extraordinary crisis seated in 400 years of American racism... I'm sorry, that is not the same question as the the devout religious person who wants to go back to services. Lockdown for thee, but not for me. So, Todd, is this a coordinated plot to take down America, what we've gone through for these last few months? Or do you believe it's all the moral chaos that we have sown as a culture is just all coming home to roost here at the same time? We say this oftentimes, you you did it and you do it well it's oftentimes to be glib but i i say this it, it's totally serious the answer is yes mm. it, it, you do not need to pick one or the other it is absolutely uh both of course it's so the, we're talking about a perfect storm basically uh, oh yeah. yeah of course it's the latter now that the latter is the steve day show longer than anybody in this medium and i include Rush Limbaugh on that. Anybody has been making that point. The slippery slope, where it goes, the moral chaos, making sure we unapologetically talk about, uh, I mean, this show has always been revival or bust on some level. Before I was, I mean, this is what Steve has done. The flag he's planted. So that's not new. But here, it's the first part. That's the part that's... uh, the crazy voices in our head, the stuff that Steve and I have said out loud, like, you know, getting yourself to the point where you don't feel like you're wearing a tinfoil hat mm-hmm. for believing such things. It's actually crazy not to believe them anymore. Right. And it is, it is, of course, it's utterly coordinated uh, on, on some level. These people who hate their country, the winking and the nodding, the, uh, on the end, the journalism side, what happened at the New York Times yesterday? Just flat out lying about why they spiked Tom Cotton's column. It is the exact same version of the routine background checks that the Des Moines Register did on a guy trying to cure cancer. It's that they they used to wink and not say, "Yeah, there's this strict separation between the newsroom." And I got I've gotten that so many times from fellow journalists. Todd, you know, there's a strict separation. Yesterday, the journalists there just went full bane. You really think you have control and power? It is. At every level, at every institution that we have, it is coordinated to make America something other than America. They just live in this place, but they aren't Americans. They aren't. And you need to tell them that unapologetically. For my tribe right now, listen, in terms of Catholic circles, Loris College here, I've been nuking them. Some parishioners, uh, fellow parishioners have tried to come at me. I mean, I am I am full Nehemiah mode, Steve. We are not playing that game. This is the gospel. 
don't yeah, for me, I, if you don't believe in the gospel or you say you don't then we're gonna have to have a different argument but if you say you do don't bring your idols to me i'm knocking them all down five years ago I thought about this yesterday, watching this whole thing transpire, watching the New York Times unravel into Al Jazeera America right before our very eyes. Media bias is not a new thing, right? No. I mean, I, I, mean, we, I, I can't recall a time in my career that this has not been a major talking point for a show like this. But five years ago, the New York Times sent one of its reporters out here to Iowa. Do you remember this? She spent several days with me. Yeah. Several days in my home with my family putting together a feature kind of uh, the point of their feature was that, that I'm the uh, presidential kingmaker. Nobody knows is basically the, who am I? Mm -hmm. Where did I come from? And why do I have all this cloud in this caucus process? And they, they, they way over blew the amount of cloud I had, but I'm, if the New York times wanted to be my press agent, I'm not going to get in the way of that. Okay. That's not to say I don't have any cloud. I'm not going to false humility is every bit as nauseating as arrogance, right? I do have a good degree of clout, but this is, I am not like Commodus sitting in an arena. There's not like 30,000 Iowa caucus voters waiting for me to give a thumbs up and thumbs down. And then they just like lemmings run into the polling booth. It's not like that. Okay. But again, if they wanted to be my press agent, I was willing to let them do that. And they spent several days with me, my family, talked to my mom, uh, you know, and everything else and, and did a, a fair, it wasn't a puff piece, but I thought it was perfectly fair representative job of who I am and what I do and why, right? Could you ever imagine they would do something like that right now? No. Neither can I. No. Now, was the was the New York Times liberally biased in 2000, yes. the summer of 2015 when they came out here for yes. that? Yeah. This is different then, isn't it? Now. Oh, they're enemies of the state. Yeah. Yeah. Or they think we are, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah. So there's no... Yeah. There's no overlap. We are in a civil war. Shannon, what do you think? You know, I've always said, this is something I've said on my show for many, many years, one man's conspiracy is another man's five-year plan. And <laughs> so when you look at the, when you consider the scope and the swiftness of the lockdown, the coordination with the media, the medical establishment, state, local, and federal governments, there's no way that you can look at this situation and not see a plan. There is a plan in place. And if you look at, I mean, this is creepy. I'm just, I'm on the Center for Health Security org and uh, there is a you know an event that occurred in October of last year is event 201 and this was uh, put on by Johns Hopkins University in secure uh, in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and they hosted this high-level pandemic exercise in October of last year and basically role-played they role-played, I watched some of the video, some of the footage of what they did at that event, exactly what we're going through right now. And so I, I believe the difficulty right now in, in, in other times of turmoil, when we are engaging in that battle for liberty, we usually have a villain. We have a name for the entity who seeks to oppress mm -hmm. and to control. We mm -hmm. had King George, we had Stalin, we had Mao, we had Adolf Hitler. Today, what is very different about what we're facing is that it's almost a nameless, faceless entity made up of multiple connections, corporations, um, civil groups, billionaires, millionaires, some politicians within the United States of America, as well as externally from, from world governments. And so it's very difficult to pin 
who are we up against? What is the nature of our enemy? When, right. you know, and, and that's why that's why we're floundering right now, because we're dumb right now. We've allowed ourselves to get weak and to get stupid. We are fat and happy in the United States of America. We have conferred our power, our fight for liberty to national politicians and white horses, senators, presidents, rather than doing the very important busy work and the groundwork that has to happen at the local level. They have that local level establishment groundswell already built. They've been building it for the past 10 to 15 years. They've been utilizing it in different areas, healthcare, education reform, criminal justice reform. Much of that comes up from the local level. So there's absolutely a plan. The, it, it's obvious. Just read Bernays. Read Edward, read Edward Bernays. He's a marketing guy, a public relations guy. But this is the way that they roll things out. And the, you know, so that's the way that I see it. The, I think the challenge is to pinpoint exactly who it is and, and what their connections are. Well said. Aaron, you get the last word. So my wife and I were watching the end of The Dark Knight last night. And what's, what's one of the final lines that the Joker says? You know, uh, madness is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. So mm-hmm. the answer to your question is, of course, Todd is right. It's yes. I mean, the, the madness was already there. That was going to come home to roost at some point. But whether it's the incident in Minneapolis, the, the, the shameful, evil incident in Minneapolis, or whether it was, you know, three months of lockdowns and a bunch of people my age being bored out of their skulls because they don't have any jobs and they don't have anything to do because everything's closed down. It was a perfect convergence or push, if you will, to seeing what we saw over the last two weeks. Yeah. So that Portland, that video of that, that, that person in Portland, that, that man in Portland who was knocked out and then a kid comes over and kicks him. They found that kid, 14 years old. The Pittsburgh riot instigator, 20 years old. The arsonist in Nashville, 22 years old. And there's a lot of these types of, um, of instigators, of rioters, of looters that are all young. All of them uh, that I just listed were white, actually. And so whether it's whether it's uh, just the push or whether this is, um, you know, whether this is decades of Marxist reeducation in our nation's public schools, who knows what we do know is we're seeing the fruit of everything that America has attempted and tried to abandon, which are the principles of our founding. And as we know, they were made for a moral and religious people. Well, we're a long ways removed from that. On June 15th in California, if things stay the way that they are today, you'll be able to go to a gay pride parade. The next day, you won't be able to go to church. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Of course it doesn't. But I'm waiting John Roberts' opinion on the Supreme Court about whether or not gay pride parades can continue as planned. I also think, as far as the planning goes, I also think it's really, really amazing as well that... Um, you know, we had the Amon Arbery shooting. Two guys run down a black jogger. That's the narrative anyway. We didn't have nationwide riots over that. And then Joe Biden comes out and says, if you have problems deciding between me and President Trump, uh, you ain't really black. And then the next day, I think it was that weekend of Memorial Day. That's when that that's when uh, bleep hits the fan. That's interesting as well. But now, now after three weeks or three months, I should say, almost of lockdowns, 
two weeks of protests, no social distancing. We're going to go right back. I, I mark my words, and, and, and Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire tweeted this this morning. We're going to go right back. Now that these riots are seemingly subsiding, we're going to go right back to it's not safe to go outside and church is, is canceled indefinitely. That's what we are. <laughs> and again, I repeat what I said uh, from the first topic. The disheartening thing is that so many people are falling for the dumb. If, if you live in California and you put up with that, that's on you. I, I frankly have no sympathy for you. Don't email me. Don't ask for my help. I mean, if you can't do a limited, a limited thing, a get off your ass and go to church. If you're a pastor and you allow that to happen and you don't open your church, I'm not helping you. Don't call my friend. Don't call Kelly Shackelford or anybody else I know. They shouldn't help you. You can't be helped. That's on you. If, if, you're, if your response is, I'm just angry and there's nothing I can do while the gay pride prayer goes on and I can't go to church, that's a you problem. You're consenting to that. Don't consent to it. Exit question. We went from impeachment to lockdown to anarchy. Which one of the following do you think, what is the next storyline crisis that awaits us? Is it A, a second feared wave of the virus? Is it B, from confirming UFOs to confirming ETs? C, war with China, or D, Great Depression, although that seems off now with the new jobs numbers. Todd, quickly go. A, because it's the dumbest, the second wave. All right, Shannon. Oh, I'm going straight to the UFOs. Straight, we're ready for it. We're ready for it, right? We are ready for the monolith, for the mothership. Yes, Aaron. A. Let's, when we come back, kneeling. Stay tuned. You know, all this working from home is driving up the worst type of cyber crime at home title theft because we're all at home right now uh, doing some working from home, spending more time at home, banking from home, video conferences, meal deliveries, shopping, etc. That's putting all of our data and information out there more than ever before. And that's got cyber criminals targeting our homes. They want the money that you have built up in equity in your homes. So they can take out loans on it against you and then stick it with stick you with those payments. That crime is called home title theft and the FBI is warning homeowners. Home title lock is how you can protect your home from these cyber thieves. Your home's legal title is online where they find it. Forge your signature stating you sold your home to them. Then they'll take out loans on your home and leave you with all of that debt, banks, insurance, and basic identity theft services. They don't protect you from this. Home Title Lock, though, will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. So protect your home, your most important investment right now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you've already been targeted at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, use the promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection to help get you through this crisis. 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Steve. HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to issue three. Neil before Zod. Brainwashing is now the name of the game for Black Lives Matter. Excuse me. Are you by any way or in any chance a bigot? You are not a racist. I would want you to get on your knees right now when we hit that corner because or else, you know, that just shows the bigot, the bigoted nation we live in because of 
President Donald Duck. So you're not gonna kneel. So you're gonna be a racist on camera. Just kneel, just kneel, please, just one time. That's all I ask. Just show solidarity for what happened to, to George Foreman. Just please. I mean, Floyd. My CEO has told me to come out today and to bring you on your knees because you have white privilege. So if they see that a white person is getting on their knees, that shows solidarity for the situation. You guys are not racist, right? I work for the Black Lives Matter organization, and I am sent here by my CEO. And I would just like it if you get on your knees. Could you please, you and your dog, just kneel for us real quick and admit that you guys have a guilt. He should be guilty. But just, just do it, please. Just do it for, for, for George Foreman, please. All you have to do is just one, one. Thank you so much. The situation... And could you just please apologize for to show your show that you're not you're against your white privilege because you guys are privileged. I will use my voice in the most uplifting way possible. I will use my voice in the most uplifting way possible. And do everything in my power to educate my community. I've not seen that video. I need to pause for a moment, okay? Somebody talk, I'm, and I'm dead serious because I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's gonna make this the last show we ever do, and I'm gonna take a. I didn't know that video was coming. I'd not seen it, and I just need to take a deep breath for a second, okay? Well, that's what I was talking about. Um, taking care of my tribe. I mean, this 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 crap is just rife with people who would wave the uh, the banner of uh, Catholicism. It's idolatry. It needs to be crushed. I do, I don't matter. It doesn't matter to me whose feelings get hurt. The only the only time I'll pull punches if it's right in front of my wife because I just don't want to make her cry. But other than that, on social media or privately, I don't I don't care who you are anymore. And I I truly do it out of love. But there's a biblical basis for this. You you need you need to be shown how dumb you are. I, it's this is. We've been, like I said, the flag that Steve Dayshow had been planted long ago believed this is possible because it's happened before. Well, it's here. It is really here. These people are likely college educated. They're not. They, Notice he's going up to women. Yeah. Yeah. Notice he's not walking up to a guy in a USA flag bandana with a, and a bald head on a Harley who's 6'4 and 250 pounds. Yeah. Notice he's going yeah. up to a bunch of women by themselves. Yeah. Well, and there's a flip side. That could be your daughter. Oh, yeah. That could be mine. Yes, I know. And it's really out of balance. It, the flip side of this weakness that they're showing is Karen. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it, and listen, uh, men have allowed this to happen by relinquishing their role fundamentally so you get these extremes because they because because we've relinquished it you get there these extremes in those who are supposed to balance us and it's impossible to come together it's impossible you didn't see you don't see a real woman when you get karen and you don't see a real woman when you get that and this is look at what's to your point this is the story of the garden of eden when the devil is tempting the woman, where the hell is Adam? He's nowhere. 
It is right here. I've told you this before, and it, 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 I can't make it more perfectly about how our, our race, uh, our way into sin, it, 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 the last place it gets to is the very beginning. It has to t- it has to come with like you know the easy ones the venial sins the cheap ones and it keeps building and building to get right back to the moment where it all started because it wants to have that moment again it you know the devil knows it got embarrassed there ultimately it thought it had him but it didn't but it's it's still just frothing at the mouth to go back and to show that I was right. Steve's made this point in his book. My God, people, wake up! You are, you, you are minions of the darkest forces in the universe right now when you do this. Shannon, what's the end game here? I think that you have a situation we, as a culture, we've been trained. We've seen now over the past two, three, four, five years, people's lives be absolutely destroyed for innocuous comments that weren't racist two weeks ago, but all of a sudden are racist. We've seen people lose jobs, businesses shut down. And so we've been trained from kindergarten through 12th grade in our workforce with the workforce training all of you know every time there's a racial issue there's a new layer of response to it which involves more training more suppression of speech and ideas and so we're we're a culture that is primed and ready for oppression and they're using this. What they really want is submission. And that's, I think that's the key to the kneeling situation. When you see the you know, police forces kneeling before some of these Black Lives Matter rallies, when you see people kneeling and you know, white people reciting what seems to be almost scriptural. I mean, it seems like a, a holy service. It, it is a religion. It's a false religion that we're, we're just in a position in this culture where we're, we're primed, we're, we're ready for that, that new oppression. And so what they have to do first is, is to make us submit. And I think a large majority of the culture is going to submit, but the key here is for a small contingency, a remnant, of people, and it does not have to be everyone. We see what the culture is doing, but a very small minority of people can change an entire culture. We see this from the left, they do it all the time. On the right, we need to begin to focus more on our local communities and changing the culture there with small groups of motivated, righteous people who will continue to go out and preach that message and refuse to comply. With, with, I mean, whether it's kneeling on the street to someone from Black Lives Matter or wearing a mask, this is why I don't wear a mask. I'm one of the, the few people in New York State that have refused since day one. This is why we started protesting in New York State. The, the movement, just so that you guys know, in New York is primarily women. When I'm working with state leaders in these organizations across the state, which are growing in strength, the rallies that I'm putting together in Rochester that are increasing in frequency, these are women organizers. It's mostly moms. And, but it's effective. It, it is a counterbalance. The media won't do it. Our politicians won't do it. Trump won't do it. 
Republicans in, in New York won't do it. It is now up to regular people. And the only way to do that is to step out and to refuse to comply. And so, yeah. Aaron, what do you think? The end game here is, I don't know, maybe, maybe at some point, maybe at some point this becomes a fad and we just stop white people in the, in the streets and force them to apologize and, I don't know, start scrubbing the streets um, or something like that with their hands. That's never happened before, I know. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe the end game You're just here, here. Yeah, maybe the end game here is um, judging people by the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. You know, I don't know. That's that's never happened before. Somebody people, should trademark that phrase, Aaron. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the the people the people kneeling, and and Todd is absolutely right. There are tons of I think I think Neil is the is is the is is the name that we've settled on for the male care and there are tons of Neils That's out perfect. there. That's perfect, Neil. Yeah, Neil. And Neil. Uh, yeah, no, Neil. N e i l. I didn't even realize that when I first said it. Neil is is the male care and there are tons of Neils out there. It's just that, that Black Lives Matter pipsqueak didn't want to target any Neils because even the effeminate, you know, uh, 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 it's liberal white dude is is still too much for him to to handle right now. But that's a sign of that's a sign of things to come. And the people who do that, who are willing to kneel, this is why I have a problem with the face masks as well. And I'll just tell you guys. Yesterday, I was uh, all but kicked out of a out of an establishment because I didn't wear a face mask. I tried to use the asthma joke and was pretty rudely uh, told to leave or put a face mask on. And I'm at a position now, I'm, because of some of the plans that we have for, for our wedding celebration, which we're doing later this year, I have to do business with this certain establishment. And I'm just like, I didn't want, I didn't want to put the mask on. And because it. of this, <laughs> because of this, it's because, you know, just put the mask on, man. It'll be all, it'll be over here in a little bit. I'll just kneel, man. It'll all be over here in a little bit. Just get the tattoo on your forehead, man. It'll all be over here in a little bit. Yeah. That's the end game. What Shannon said, it's submission. That's the end game. The pump is being primed. Yes. Exit question. If the future of race relations in America were an ACDC song, which ACDC song would it be? A, have a drink on me. Like we're just going to hang out, party together. B, for those about to rock, we salute you. That things are actually close to, to, to you know, unity. Close to being a party. C, rock and roll damnation. I don't think I have to explain what that one means. Or D, don't think I have to explain this one either. If you want blood, you got it. Todd. I'm just speaking for myself, man. Um, it's For me, it's all for those about to rock. We salute you, man. I, it, I'm, I'm playing my game. I'm not playing theirs. Shannon, quickly go. B. Aaron. Uh, it is uh, if you want blood. All right, Shannon, issue four, you've got two minutes to answer this okay we did an overtime the other day on what is what is less safe being under bill de blasio's leadership during a during a riot or andrew cuomo's during a plague now you don't live in new york city but you're closer to it there in rochester than either that any of the three of us are so we want to throw issue four at you this is just for you who is worse cuomo or de blasio well, I'm going to have to go all day long with Andrew Cuomo because basically he's the most annoying person in the universe. And I want is he to really more head. annoying than Bill de Blasio? Really? 
You know what? He's all over the TV. He does his press conferences every day. He has his stupid little shtick he does with his brother on CNN. It's enough. Honestly, I want to stick a pencil in my eye every time he opens his mouth, not to mention you know, what Andrew Cuomo did in New York State was essentially the complete shutdown of democracy. So we don't have legislatures in, in session. We don't have courts in session. We don't have local governments even operating. And so when when you think of that attached to a guy with presidential aspirations, it's terrifying. Bill de Blasio, yes, he's annoying, but Andrew Cuomo all day long, hands down. All right, let's get to, you guys surprised that was the answer? Yeah. Because I think it's de Blasio, man, and it's not even close. I, I, I think he is one. Of, he might be the single mm. most insufferable public figure of my lifetime, with um, with a very very punchable face. See, I'm with see, I'm with Shannon. Have, yeah, you don't get the you don't get the two hour press conferences every. Ah, that's true. Day. That's that, that's true. Cuomo's yeah. a fake tough guy. Ugh. Oh, it's worse. All right. Everyone's gonna die. Graduations are death. Birthday parties are death. If you go out with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Todd, I, I got to push back on that a little bit. Quickly, he can't, he can't be that untough. I mean, he got his nipples pierced. Here so, we go. Then no. we had to mix that. <laughs> Thank in. you. Yes, yeah, so we had to mix that in. I well done. That. Predictions, Aaron, go. So, um, I hate this, but I'm making so much money off the commies right now. I predict this summer I will watch the most soccer I've ever watched in my life. Are you betting soccer? Yeah, no, I've got a buddy who's really good with Bundesliga and and all the Premier Leagues. The Bundesliga. I really need yes. to. I got to apologize to your mom. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That was set on the Steve influence. Day show. Yeah. Todd, I don't even know Bundesliga. Is that a goulash or a cake? It's the German soccer league. Is that what it's called? The Bundesliga. I, I, I had no idea that's yes. what it was called. I, I didn't know. Because yes. I'm American, so I didn't know what it was called. Todd. Uh, I I think there's going to be college. College football will be back. But I think there are college football games that will have to be canceled at relatively the last second because of Black Lives Matters. Shannon. I'm going with full body condoms. Recommended by Harvard. For everyone. To keep us safe. Okay. The new thing. My prediction is also college football related. I think you're going to see every major college football team this fall at least once and i think you'll see several of them do this all season long but at least one time every major college football program in america nationwide the whole team will kneel for the national anthem before the game iowa wisconsin michigan uh, your Rochester, Syracuse, that, that you guys' big team up there, maybe. Okay. All right. Um, every major team, everyone, nationwide, coast to coast. Okay. From Canada to Mexico. Every single one of them, as a whole team, will kneel for the anthem at least once. And I think several programs will do it the entire season. Yeah, I buy it. I don't like it. All right, Shannon, good to see you as always. Have a great weekend. All right. Bye, guys. Take care. All right, Feedback Friday coming your way next. We're going to try and see, can we have a substantive conversation about race in America? Next. (laughs) 
Greetings back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. If you are a podcast listener, please click subscribe if you haven't done that, and then leave us a five-star review if you haven't done that as well, because the more of those five-star reviews we get, the more it helps the show to grow. Thank you to the thousands of you that have left us five-star reviews already. 888-900-3393 is the number here to The Steve Dace Show. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace show and the last name is d-e-a-c-e we get notes hundreds now i mean we're getting more feedback than we have ever received in the history of this program we're going to get to as much of it as we can or at least one particular note uh that uh, that is timely given what's going on in the country here in a moment with feedback friday that's brought to you by genesis 950 if you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors you must try genesis 950 because before you think about taking on the big expense of replacing them you need to know that genesis 950 is an amazing pet stain and odor remover plus it's made in america and with water genesis 950 breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good it's got an antibacterial component that works its way down into the padding which is why your carpet can look great up top it can smell it it can look like the stains are gone but still smell bad it's because the stains have worked their way down to the padding and that's where genesis 950 does its best work plus it's green safe for your family and pets too so if you're tired of pet cleaners that don't work and or if you're thinking about taking on the big expense of replacing your carpets because you just can't get the stains and the odors out, give Genesis 950 a try. All right, you can use it to clean anything in your home, but this is where it shines as well. And right now you can get a discount if you use the promo code BLAZE, promo code BLAZE to get a discount when you go to the website at Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com, promo code BLAZE at Genesis950.com. Okay. So last week, I received a note from a loyal listener by the name of Drexel King. Just as this stuff with with George Conway, I'm sorry, George Floyd, was beginning to surface. I keep seeing George Conway trending in my Twitter feed, and I, I can't get away from that name. All right? Just as this stuff with uh, and the, and, and, and the unjust death of George Floyd began to surface, we got a note from a listener named Drexel King asking, hey, uh, you guys... I mean, you guys are pretty brave in some of the areas you're willing to willing to delve into. But I've noticed on these topics, at least since I've been tuning in recently, you guys are kind of like laissez-faire, hands off. Why? And I explained last week on this show why. I, mean, I have done tons of, of, of discussions on this, on the air and off. Uh, I've been involved in racial reconciliation ministry and... Um, uh, and that's exactly why I don't get into these hot button race issues when they're particularly when they're trending on Twitter, because I can tell you that's the, the exact wrong format and place to discuss any of this. Number one, but then number two, frankly, I, I don't know that what anything we're being told is true. I mean, we just, we literally just found out a few days ago that the, the, this massive study on hydroxychloroquine that was supposed to definitively discredit it once and for all, the whole thing was a scam. The whole thing was a scam. The whole study was a scam. And now it's being retracted everywhere. And I mean, we're I, not just saying that. No, the, like people, the people that did the like study the are NAGM admitting it was a scam. WHO, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I, I watched the protest here in my hometown last week when they were going on on television live, and I'm watching all kinds of people still with the hands up, don't shoot mantra with Michael Brown. That was never said. 
at least according to the Obama Justice Department and Attorney General Eric Holder's investigation, he never said, hands up, don't shoot. Never said it. And yet that's like the rallying cry for, hey, he, he was surrendering peacefully. Why'd they empty their chamber in this man when he's saying, hands up, don't shoot? He never said that. And so over the last few years, I've just made the decision that if, if I don't believe, and ultimately it's my name behind the shoulder here, so it's my show, ultimately, if I don't believe that the truth is achievable on an issue or a conversation, and I'll give you another context. I got an email from our good buddy Josh Hammer yesterday asking me, hey, you know, King Steve King just lost his primary, and you, did you even talk about this like at all? I'd be curious to get your take, and I was looking for it, and I couldn't find anything you said about it. And my answer is no, I didn't. And I told him, as you get to know me better, what you're going to find is I'm at the stage now in my career that if I don't believe the truth is achievable in a, in a situation, I will just abstain from the conversation. And in the case of the Steve King primary, frankly, I thought he was too much baggage to, to expend any political capital on behalf of. But having known his primary challenger, Randy Feenstra, for years, I didn't think that was worth getting any blood on my hands at the exact same time. So I just decided... It was pointless for me to delve into it. There's, there's no winnable objective. There, there's no objective truth here. Meaning that I've, I'm totally fine if you think Steve King has forfeited his right to be in Congress. I've had my ups and downs with Steve King over the years. We, I mean, we didn't talk to each other for like three years once, okay? So I, I, I understand that, you know, he's got diarrhea of the mouth. That's why I, I don't rush out to defend him. So if you don't want to vote for him, great. But I also knew his primary challenger well enough that I didn't feel comfortable saying, putting my name on it and saying, hey, ride this steed instead for out of fear of not what he would say, but what he would do a year from now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at. You may not like that, and, and that's okay too. Um, there's other shows. But for the, for the time being on this show, I am not anxious to delve into any area where I don't believe there's a win to be found or the truth is achievable and on a lot of these hot button race issues the truth just isn't achievable i mean it's now racist drew Brees is a racist because he wanted to stand for the anthem because his grandfathers died for the net two of his grandfathers died in world war ii so any patriotism is racist now but i did offer drexel an alternative i said hey if you have some substantive issues you'd like us to address I'm happy to have these conversations. And he was kind enough to respond. And this is a very thoughtful but lengthy email. So, which by the way is good because you can't, it does require this level of detail and nuance. It's just we also only have 53 more minutes left in the show. So I'm going to get through as much of this as we can. And... And then we'll see if, if we get through it or if there's any time left to discuss anything else, okay? So, here's the first point he makes. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, a riot is the language of the unheard. Hopeless, hopelessness and godlessness leads to rioting. I think there's a reason we didn't see riots after the AME church murders in South Carolina. The silence, the refusal by many to even believe and or name injustice, the attempts by many to justify the deaths of black people and the unwillingness of many to walk with us leaves me baffled. 
One of my struggles as a father and a husband against my family is defaulting to power when I am upset or frustrated. I want to exert my physical dominance because I'm not getting the respect I think I deserve. It is sin. It is wrong. No, I do not put my hands on my wife nor abuse my children, but my posture, my words, my spacing reflects selfish and unrighteous anger because I am threatened. Knowing some of your story, Steve, I don't want to be insensitive here, but I think these rioters, meaning my history with an abusive father myself, knowing some, but I think these rioters feel threatened and are responding in unrighteous anger. They need Jesus. That is the only power I have to keep my cool. People have their breaking point and they will respond differently. The sinfulness of mankind is atrocious. Only by the grace of God does my defiance take a less abrasive tone, although the intent of my heart could be just the same. Some refuse to wear a mask. Some take assault rifles to the Capitol steps. Some turn to violence. To conclude this point, this behavior also reflects a lack of black leadership, specifically from the church. We don't have heroes that can unite us because most of them have been assassinated. Likewise, it is hard to recover from centuries of no male leadership and know how to respond in times of challenge. None of this is an excuse for inappropriate behavior, but an attempt to diagnose symptoms in order to identify helpful solutions. My first response would be, um, you, have, you have correctly identified the major problem. We don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. White people were not racist to black people in the past in this country. Systemically so. White people were not systemically racist, meaning with institutions like slavery, Jim Crow. That's what I mean by, because we're hearing this term all the time. America is systemically racist. We'll define what that means. Well, there's more black people in prison. That that doesn't tell me we have systemic racism. Are they all guilty? I'm not really concerned what the the demographic makeup of our prisons is. I'm concerned about who's there that shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? It's about who, did you do it or not? If you did the crime, then you do the time. I don't really care, you know, uh, Hispanic, white, black uh, is irrelevant to me. What's, What's relevant to me is whether or not you're guilty. Now, if you come at me the other way and say, hey, I worked for this group called the Innocence Project, which exists, which is anti-death penalty. Now, I'm not anti-death penalty. I think it's biblical. And I think if anything, the last week has shown it's necessary. In fact, I'm, if once he gets a fair trial, if indeed he is guilty of what the video appears to depict he did, I think we ought to hang that police officer in a public square and make an example out of him. You don't do that in America. Totally fine with it. Okay? But... If a group like an innocence project, and I've talked to groups like this in the past on this show, if they come down, if they were to come to me and say, hey, we try to get everybody, we, we try to defend everybody on death row. And what we find is when they turn out to be innocent, disproportionately, black people tend to be on death row falsely. That is a different argument to me than we have too many black people in prison. I don't care. And I don't, and I don't, and I'm not sorry for not caring that there, that you think there's too many black people in prison. If you want to tell me, Hey, we have data that shows disproportionately black people are falsely accused of crimes. I will listen to that. And it's why I, while I believe the death penalty is biblical and righteous, I am also hesitant about exercising it in this culture because I don't really trust the government, frankly. To me, it's about the premise of the argument we're making. White people did not practice systemic racism in America's past because they were white, because they were sinners. That's why they did it. 
because they were sinners because they didn't fear God. That's why they did. And I agree with you. There's parts of what you wrote Drexel here. I don't necessarily agree with, but I, but I think it is more important for us to assert this premise than it is to focus on those other parts. For example, um, I think the percentage of people who are rioting and looting because they feel unheard as opposed to people that are just, it, it's an avenue for criminal behavior and insurgency against the United States. I, I think if we, if we truly had access to the souls and, and thought processes and the brain mapping patterns of those out in the streets, we'd probably be deeply disappointed if you were looking for nobility. Okay. But I'll agree with you that that's probably not everybody at the same time. I just think you're probably, you're probably going to be disappointed how many people that it truly is. Okay. But you know what? That is my impression. I think I can come up with a good argument to justify it. You have yours. Here's the, here's the key. What's more important to argue over a various impression or to assert the premise in which we agree? And the premise in which we agree is that sinfulness caused this. I have the same struggle with my own family and I grew up in an abusive home. I have the same struggle not to exert my dominance. And not violently, but in, just as you described it very eloquently, by the way, the posture I use, right? The, the tone of voice I communicate with. Those are all hints that I am the physically dominant being in the home and there should, therefore should be respected. Now, does the word of God say that I am the head of my home? Does it say that? Yeah. Todd, does the word of God say that I am the head of my home? Of course, the, man, the husband is the head of his yes. home. Yes, okay. Does it say though I am the head of the home because I am the physically dominant being no. in the home? See, this is where we have to get to the premise of the conversation. Why am I the head of the home? Because I'm the physically dominant being in the home? Well, is, is the male the physically dominant being in every home? In every home? There's no homes where she's like a bodybuilder and you're an accountant? It, it, everywhere is the male the dominant figure in the home? What about, what about when the young male is? The son. What about when you're sitting there, you know, in your size 52 jeans with an elastic band, and homeboy now is, you know, doing chin-ups off a, off a pipe in the basement like, like Mr. T and Rocky Three. If it's based off of your physical dominance in the home, then does that mean your son, with his lack of maturity, lack of experience, life experience, lack of wisdom, does, does he then become the head of the home? No. See, I'm the head of the home because God made it so. That's why. And then it's our responsibility to know why did he make that the case? It wasn't random. Why did he do it? What unique responsibility am I equipped to fulfill that I am given by him that authority? This is the same math we've got to work out here when it comes to race. This is why efforts like diversity mantras, political correctness, will, are doomed to fail. At best, you can create fake guilt in people 
and get cultic behavior where white people are just like, sorry, but they're not sorry because they really know what they're sorry for. They're sorry because they want to be a part of, they want your approval. You've guilted them into this. And, and, and here's what that looks like, Drexel. It looks like what you say you fear with your own family. It's that video last hour of that young man going around to women whom he can intimidate on the street. Notice he's not walking up to a guy like me and asking me, why? Because I bench press what he weighs. That's why he won't come up to me and ask me that. He'll come up to them. Old ladies with a dog, two single skinny girls out, teenage girls out shopping. Two young women by themselves wearing a mask outside so they already show some sign of, of pliability. He ain't heading over to the VFW to do this. He ain't, he ain't outside the parking lot at the uh, New York State gun show. Hey, can you guys kneel for me? He's not out there. Why? Because he'd get his ass beat. That's why. That's why he's not out there. Can't bully them. But he can corner these poor women and say, oh, so you're a racist then. See, if you try to do this outside the gospel, this is where we end up. Will to power. White people who practice systemic racism in America's history were outside the gospel. And I don't want to hear where they were Christians. People that are Christians claim to, do, do, claim to be Christians and do stupid stuff all the time. The character of Christianity doesn't rest on Christians. Christians didn't die on a cross. Christians didn't walk out of a tomb. Christ did. The credibility and character of Christianity. Otherwise, it's, it's Meachin. It's my religion. It's, it's based on my testimony and what I say and what I think. Who the hell are you? I mean, your testimony might not have any credibility, that's, but that speaks to the credibility of your testimony. It doesn't speak to the credibility of whether Christ walked out of that tomb or not. You don't have anything to say about that. You ain't Christ. Well, um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, somebody named Julie once drowned their kids in a tub. I guess that means everybody named Julie's bad and can't be taken seriously. These are dumb arguments. Are we individuals or not? And treat Christ as an individual then too. Because there's never been anybody else like him. And there will never be anybody else like him. Because he's the only one, one. And we try to do this outside of him. We can only come to another will to power. We trade one will to power for another. And so we're going to end up with, we can't, we can't get equality without understanding we're made in the image of God. Instead, what you'll get is get even with him. That's what you'll get. Get evenism. That's what you'll get every time. That's what we're getting right now. Get evenism. So uh, let me even grant your point that that writing is the voice of the unheard. And also when Martin Luther King said that, this country was 50 years ago in race relations. If we made at least a come on, man. Drexel, have we made at least a little progress since the Watts riots, since the Detroit riots? Since the riots of 67, 68, I'm going to be 47 years old here in a month and a half. The mom who gave birth to me was 13. She got her first period when the riots, riots that, that, that Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about went on. Have we made at least a little? Do you think it's fair for me to ask that? Have we made at least a little progress since then? 
I think we've made a little progress since the summer of 67, don't you? Yes, and not only that, at least that, a little. When, when MLK said that, he wasn't validating that by saying it. He was saying it's a, it might be a natural consequence of desperation. Sure. But that's nothing And I validated. think that's what Drexel is probably alluding yeah. to as well. But, but I'll even grant that premise. I don't necessarily even agree with that interpretation of that remark, but I'll grant it to make this point. What is the force then? What force then would enter into the conversation so that when those that are rioting and looting, when they're heard, and when they are given the power that they asked for, how do we know they won't become like that which they said they hated? Do we have any examples of that in human history anywhere? <laughs> and they looked from man to pig and pig to man and then back from pig man to pig again, and they couldn't tell the difference. Target Whitey beat Whitey. Target Whitey grandmothers at Target beat them up. Boy, who does it sound like targeting people for their race and lashing out violently against them? Who does that sound like? Where, where would that behavior have been modeled or, or exhibited or learned in the past? And as a kid who grew up with an abusive dad, trust me, I'm really sensitive to modeled behavior. History's for dead old white men, Steve, so we'll never know. See, I, I was, I, I so didn't, in my own power, my great desire was to not become like Dave. You know what I found, though, as I got older? As I stepped into manhood, guess who I was an awful lot like? Dave. <laughs> Why? Because what you think about all day long and the way you think about it is what you will eventually become. And so since he was on my mind constantly, I was becoming like him. Why didn't I become like him? My self-reliance, my rugged individualism, that's a crock that a lot of conservatives frankly preach because they just want an excuse to remain godless. No, the Lord does not help those who help themselves. The Lord helps those who humble themselves. That's who he helps. I knelt to a real power. And it put the power in my life to not become Dave Dace Redux. Dave Dace without the pot or the booze. That's the same power that has you restraining your urges that you described to me. And if we try to do this minus that power, I promise you, all we're going to get is a will to power. The pigs will decide, you know, the farmer's house Ain't that bad. I kind of like living up in here. I kind of like it. Look at the amount of black athletes, rich, wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice. Largely because of the amount of white folks that had the jobs that could afford for them to pay those exorbitant ticket fees and buy the NFL Sunday ticket. Line up to call all these white folks that made them rich racists and Drew Brees a racist yesterday because he just didn't want to bow the knee and he wanted to stand for the anthem. Let me see, where have I seen this behavior before? That if you hold a certain opinion and, and then have a certain color of skin, you're less of a person. You're unworthy of being heard. There's no model for this, Steve. We're in brand new territory. Yeah, has there, has there ever been a precedent? Is this, has this behavior been learned anywhere? Modeled anywhere? 
I mentioned earlier in the show, Tony Dungy might be one of the last adults left in America. Certainly maybe the last one in all of sports media. What did he say yesterday? I don't agree with Drew Brees. I also don't agree with, like, you know, lynching the guy in public over it. I mean, you can't have an opinion. Now, other than football, what is Tony Dungy known the most for to most Americans? Uh, well, I, he's for being a Christian. His deep abiding faith. Do you think that the difference between Ed Reed, who's about to go into the NFL Hall of Fame after having made the gross domestic product of Botswana in the NFL for years, with an amount of money that his great, 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 great grandchildren, if Jesus doesn't return, will not be able to Brewster's million spend. And yet, despite that, he has like no cognitive recognition that we, we, we that this is still 1619. Do you think the difference between Ed Reed and Tony Dungy might be a mature faith and relationship with the king of the universe and the wisdom that goes with that? And the self-control that goes with that. And the love, joy. Tony Dungy's had a, a, I mean, you think it was easy? Being the first black head coach to make it to the Super Bowl. Everything you had to do to get there. His own son took his own life several years ago. And it ain't like he was born on third and credited with the triple here. Okay? We can't do this without the power of the gospel. It's the only power I know of in this world that makes the lion to lay down with the lamb. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my own work. I've seen it in racial reconciliation I've been a part of. Without the gospel, there's no chance because unless we all agree, ultimately, who to bow the knee to. Eventually, we're going to try to make one of us bow the knee to the other. That is the long arc of human history. Whether it's the African slave trade, whether it's Genghis Khan, whether it's Imperial Japan, whether it's Nazi Germany, whether it's the Trail of Tears, name it. That's who we are as a species. We will seek to dominate the other. And the only thing that restrains us from doing so is a recognition that we're the other too. And that there is only one God and there is no other. You guys want to comment on that before we move on? Uh, that's brilliant. It's why I've been adamant lately about pushing back uh, from uh, Catholic Christians about what this Black Lives Matter. So what? It's harm. It's harm. It's not harmless. It 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 has the potential, and it's clearly uh, almost getting up to eleven of being one of the shiniest idols we have. You aren't important because you're black. Just like you're not important because you're white. You're important because you are a child created in the image and likeness of God. That is the gospel. And anything that distracts from that is a road to farce. And we have become a farce. If you need Black Lives Matter, that means the corollary. It is abundantly clear like right now that you need an other. 
to be the racist that's responsible for it. And the more you need that, you won't put that down. The gospel is the only thing that can heal the divide. Black Lives Matter, clearly, it's it's evidentiary by now. It's actually widening the divide. It's not making it smaller. Yes. And, and the forces... The forces in our culture who, at the end of the day, have very little skin in the game but continue to exacerbate and and try to uh, gin up the divide in this country, um, how are they going to cover how are they going to cover the family of those murdered by Dylan Roof in South Carolina for giving Dylan Roof to his face? Answer: They didn't because you can't cover that. You can't cover that if you want to continue these divides because that's the power of the gospel. It's That's the power of the gospel. They can't cover the brother of Botham Jean standing up in court during his brother's murderer's sentencing and forgiving her to her face and then giving her a, a hug. They might cover that once, but they can't. they can't do anything after that. Because that's the power of the gospel right there. The F word, forgiveness. That's not preached. Justice is preached. Forgiveness, not so much. We'll continue this conversation. And then Drexel, I'm actually going to talk a lot less and get to as many of your points as I possibly can because I talked way too long there. Um, But it's your fault. You stirred me up. I'm a victim. All right, we'll come back in a moment. Stay tuned. So here's something you may not know about your dog's food, you know, just like uh, what goes on with our food uh, that we have to take so many supplements and vitamins and everything else these days. Well, the same thing is true with our dog's food as well for the same exact reasons, because our food has been stripped bare of a lot of those vitamins and minerals uh, that we need, those live organisms, those prebiotics, those uh, po- those probiotics, you know, the stuff that actually helps you to, to be healthy. Well, that stuff is gone from their food too for the same reason. Mass production, long shelf life, etc. So just like we need supplements, so do our dogs. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's a premium dog food supplement and it's a powder that you put over your dog's food that apparently tastes great. I wouldn't know. I've not tried it, but our dog Cap absolutely loves it. Loaded with vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, even omega oils, antioxidants, everything. Think of it as your dog's like one a day, if you will. All right. Uh, it'll even help to improve digestion, energy. All those things your dog needs to thrive again. If you want to see your dog thrive like that, try the 14-day challenge with Rough Greens Vitasmart for just $14.95. You can take advantage of that challenge at roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. All right, I thought, Drexel, we're back to your note. I thought the first point you made required a longer conversation than I took longer than I intended. So that's my apologies. I want our audience to hear, because they're going to find, they're going to get plenty of my opinions every day. I want them to hear more what you think as much as I can get to it the rest of this show. So I'm going to just share your opinions, try to keep my own to myself for now and have them and, and have our, everybody listen to your perspective. And then I'll see if we can save a couple of minutes here at the end of the show and have quick rapid fire conversation. Okay. okay? All right. 
Most people looting, rioting, probably view their vengeance as an assault against the establishment, the corporate arm, the man, etc. These same types of people are those who make decisions to shut down entire cities and states and then look at business owners and tell them business is risky and this situation is an unfortunate but uncalculated risk. Meanwhile, they are in government and guaranteed their paychecks. These riots reflect the systemic injustice and the need to change correctional and corporate control. I don't think I'm out of context by pointing out that our nation was started by such actions in Boston. Another piece of history, when Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma started thriving, they were looted. The city was burned and hundreds of people murdered. I think awareness of other viable perspectives are helpful and necessary for reconciliation. As you said, the truth is freeing. Making people deal with a narrative that is uncomfortable and yet viable helps towards a restorative cause. I think you have to do better than there's no certainty, so I don't touch it. That's a luxury that you can choose. I just don't have that choice. I ignore this, and it could be the detriment to my family. My children are going to realize that they are not completely accepted in certain spaces. They fit the description, and thus their rights can be forfeited because of someone else's sin or fear, or their skin color will cause a fight-flight response in some people that may harm them. As a Marine Corps infantry officer, so I'm a veteran, I profiled military-aged males in Afghanistan. Yet that was a combat zone and not meant to be a permanent way of life. My kids should not have to grow up conditioned to always be on alert because they will be profiled at some point. I have to teach them how to respond and move towards safety and Christ-likeness. Our allies should be aware of this burden and help to bear it with us. I hope that I am making sense here. Theology, oh, oh, one more thing. The media is explosive regarding these issues, and I get your hesitation towards sifting through and finding the truth in there. However, you did not you did not accept their confusion and crazy when it came to COVID. You went out and found the certainty and then taught the rest of us. I think you can do more to diagnose, converse, and present solutions and examples in this arena as well. I think that's, by the way, that's a fair shot back at me. I think that's a fair, uh, fair assessment. In terms of Theology Thursday topics that could be addressed on this in the future, how do we as Christians deal with injustice towards others? For example, Jesus responds to an ethnic injustice in Luke 13, 1 through 2. A few other relevant scriptures are found in, in the Psalms, Isaiah, Leviticus. We can frame conversations for reconciliation and helping those who are not being heard in the same way that you have done for the unborn on your show. This also applies to Corona in the context of government injustice, unlawful orders, etc., Invite minority guests on that disagree with your politics, but can give alternative and viable perspectives like you did with Chris Hale. I will quickly answer that. It is becoming almost impossible to do this. Now, I saw that Glenn was able to, that Glenn Beck was able to do this yesterday. And hopefully if our platform grows as larger, people will view that it's worth the risk and exposure of doing that. Um, but, and Todd can tell you, he hasn't booked this show all these years, but he's booked it for the last five years. Or, or actually, Todd and Aaron have booked it together for the last five years. They can tell you that, guys, you, you back me up on this. It is, it, is, it is exceedingly difficult to get people with different viewpoints to come on this show. Oh, yeah. And you told me, I told you yesterday about what happened with local radio here. The, the attempt was offered, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't take it. Mm -hmm. Just yesterday. Um, invite guests who are doing work in this area of rec racial reconciliation. That's a great idea. The problem is what, what right now is in defined in much of the church as racial reconciliation is, is guilt forming, guilt terraforming. 
critical race theory, things of that nature that won't heal these breaches. But, but that doesn't mean that that's true everywhere. And I agree that I could look harder. I agree with you on that. Okay. Um, you get political advice all the time. Where can I get involved in politics in my local city and start to make a difference? Who is doing this well that can inspire others? Become a think partner with your expertise in social capital. That's another great idea. What I would urge you to do is look for people, because we're speaking as believers now here. I, I, would, I don't know where you live. Um, so if you were to tell me, and, and I've had lots of you email me over the years. Hey, I live here. You know, do you know anybody here? What do you think about this group here? I try to answer as many of those as I can. And if I don't know the answer, I don't, I'll tell you, I'm not familiar with that. So I can't answer. But um, in general, um, I, I could probably help you find local outlets that begin from some form of a biblical worldview. If I just knew more about where you were. And that's true for anybody in this audience, by the way. What can our white allies do to better support brothers and sisters in Christ whom are hurting? Let me stop right there. We can't have white allies. Now, that doesn't mean we deny the obvious. I am white. You are not. <laughs> okay? But... Unless I need something specifically addressed from a viewpoint that I don't understand fully, because I may have some learnedness with it, but I don't live it and I'm not experienced with it. I don't refer to I don't I don't I don't refer to Todd as a Catholic identity, primarily. If we are dealing with themes that are unifying around the Christian faith, then we just deal with themes that are unifying around the Christian faith. That doesn't mean there's never a time that I don't address Todd as a Catholic. But again, it comes at times when he has a perspective on something I just can't have because I'm not that. So I would not look for white allies. I'd look, I'd look for people to unify around the true diversity offered by the gospel. And then, and then, because I, I also think that a lot of white people, when they say, I don't see color. I mean, I, I know what we mean by that. But I can also tell you, if I were black, I'd, I'd probably think that that's a little trite. Okay. You know who else agrees with you? Maya Angelou. Yeah. She, Katie Couric tried to pull that crap with Maya Angelou once, live on air. Like, I, the virtue signaling, even yeah, back then, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't even see you as black. And Maya's yeah. like, well, I, why not? I am. I mean, let, let's, be, let's all be honest with each other. Okay. There are people in our business who have no talent at all, who can think they're way out of a paper bag, but because they're not white and they look into a screen and read a teleprompter and say things that white people, white conservatives want to hear from somebody who's not white because they, they want to be, because they've been told you can only be racist yeah. and believe these things. That's our virtue signaling okay? over here. Yeah. You, so you can't tell me, let me take blanks, you know, career and blow it up and give them all kinds of clicks just for reading things they may not even believe off a teleprompter while not being white because it makes my, my whiteness feel like I'm not racist. Then when you turn around after you do that, and say, there's no such thing. I don't see color. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay. I got to call BS on my own tribe with that one. Okay. So I think the premise of the distinction is important here. Don't look for white allies. 
Look for people who want to unify around the gospel because in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. That was a pretty big dividing line, by the way. For a man like Paul to write that, a Jew himself, that, that he saw, he was raised to see the whole world divided into two kingdoms, Jewish and Gentile, meaning believer and unbeliever. And for him to now be, to bridge that chasm culturally and say slave nor free, uh, male nor female, one Lord, one baptism, look for people who believe that. And then, and then, because again, let's not be trite and lie to each other. There are things you have experienced, I will not, and vice versa. That's when, within that community, once that premise is established, that is then when, hey, you know what, man? You look different than me. You come from a different neighborhood than me. How's this relate there? That's a healthy conversation to have. But if we, if we seek out people and groups and form them as, as allies within or by, by a, an external identity of anything other than Christ first, we're going to end up circling the drain all over again. So we, we have to assert the common identity first. And this is what I learned from my own experience with racial reconciliation. Once we assert the premise, well, what are we reconciling to? What are we reconciling to? I asked you yesterday, right? Hey, what do we? What would we unify? What would we? What would we reunify around? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, reconciliation means we're gonna. We're, okay, then what are we reconciling to? What, 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 to what? Well, the reconciliation comes from our Lord and Savior says this is not acceptable amongst His people. That's the record. That's the source of it. And we have a responsibility to be better witnesses than to allow this segregation to continue. And we both bear that responsibility. Both of us do. Because we're both equally accountable to him. No matter, it, he's, not, he's not keeping score who has the greater offense. No. He took all those offenses upon himself. He's the only one that gets to keep score. The only one. None of the rest of us do. Now, once we agree on that, then, then we can begin addressing each other as individuals, as subcultures within that larger culture with unique experiences and perspectives. But it can't start with that. It has to start with him. That identity's got to be asserted first. That would be my piece of advice to that. Step one, if you only have a few black people in your church, reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm praying for you and what's going on in your community. I want to be of help. I agree with that to a point. But again, within that church, you're, you're still black and I'm still white. But the gospel is for all people. And ultimately, my salvation is is an individual experience between me and my Lord, as it is for you and for anybody else. The I, I keep coming back to this. The premise that's asserted here is vitally important. We can we can once the right premise is established, we can then begin to address things from an individual, community, cultural standpoint. But but in fact, let me put another finer point on it. I would not want, I would not urge a white person in a church to walk up to a black person they have never talked to and never introduced themselves to and have that be the first piece of conversation. Because now we've, we've, we've reversed the premise here. 
the only reason you're going up to them yes. is, their, is the color of their skin. That's exactly right. Yeah. No, that rapport should have been established already. And in a healthy church, that black person should feel free to because those walls have been burnt to have been tear, torn down to say, hey, in my individual community, I have a need. And he should expect that it would be met if it's reasonable and it's justice. But the conversation shouldn't have to start there. The Christian conversation doesn't begin with division. It begins with reconciliation. See, that, that's the, and maybe I should have started this conversation there because I'm actually towards the end of his email. The Christian, in the Christian worldview, it actually begins with reconciliation. It's not the end point of the process. It begins there. And then all of the other issues are ironed out because of the reconciliation. Jesus says at the cross, it is finished. See, it started there. The reconciliation was there. He says to the man, the thief on the other side, hey, to me, to, today you're going to be with me in paradise. See, everywhere else you've got to earn your place. In every other worldview, just like you have to earn favor with God, in every other worldview you've got to earn your reconciliation. And then, and then the person whose forgiveness you're seeking or that group decides when you have earned it and merited it. In the Christian worldview, it's the exact opposite. The reconciliation, once it is sought, is instant. Once it is earnestly sought, it is instant. We forgive because he forgave us. Now, the relationship is what takes longer to forge. But the reconciliation is instant. You, you, answer, you, you answer the call of salvation and get hit by a car in 10 minutes and never, and never grow to the maturity of a Billy Graham or a church elder. You're in paradise that day. That's what, at least that's what he said to the thief, right? Now, your individual relationship, given the shortness of it, this side of heaven, is it as mature and advanced as that church elder that's been walking with the Lord for years? No. no. But is it any less reconciled? No. The reconciliation in the Christian worldview happens instantly. It's the relationship that takes longer to, to harness. Because you can't earn reconciliation. It's given, it's an act of grace, mercy to all those who earnestly seek it. Now, the real work happens after the reconciliation with the relationship. That's the real work. And, and maybe that's what we're getting wrong here. We're acting like the pagans in the world do, that you have to mm -hmm. earn this reconciliation. There's some, there, and, there, and there's some, if you take a knee, if you, if you write this column, if you say these words, then you've, and, and do it enough times for this group, you've earned it. That's no. the real Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Can't solve that. Because you can't ever, you can't ever ultimately earn it, right? No, it is, it is, it is given freely. Now the relationship, because it's given and sought, that's where the work is, is on the relationship. Have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.